the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. January 13th, 2021. Here's a line, a news report you don't want to see on January 21st of this year. Quote, in the violence, knots of activists in black clothes and masks threw rocks and bottles at officers wearing riot gear who responded with volleys of tear gas and stun grenades as a helicopter hovered overhead. Close quote. One can imagine it worse, quote, At one flashpoint, a protester hurled an object through the passenger window of a police van, which sped away in reverse as demonstrators cheered. Earlier, activists used chunks of pavement and baseball bats to shatter the windows of a Bank of America branch and a McDonald's outlet. Multiple vehicles were set on fire, including a black limousine. A knot of people dragged garbage cans into a street a few blocks from the White House and set them ablaze. Police said six officers were injured in scuffles with protesters. Close quote. 217 arrests made. Of course we don't want to see a story like that next week, right? Guess what? I'm quoting directly, exactly, from a Reuters report from January 19th, twenty. 17, all about the left and Donald Trump's inauguration. That is what transpired. That is what happened. The next day, an anti-Trump rally in Washington, attended by more than 500,000 people, we are told, featured a speech by perhaps the most famous singer in the world, Madonna, where she shouted, quote, Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I'm outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House, close quote. Calls to remove Democrats from office for fueling any of this? After all, they started the theme and narrative months before that Donald Trump was illegitimately elected. Didn't end or stop there, not after all the violence and arrests above. In May of that very year, May of 2017, Nancy Pelosi continued to fuel the myth of Donald Trump's illegitimate election, tweeting, quote, Our election was hijacked. There is no question. Congress has a duty to protect our democracy, close quote. Hijacked. No question. Two years ago, in response to a disagreement with Donald Trump on immigration policy, Nancy Pelosi said, quote, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be when people realize that this is a policy that they defend. Close quote. Of course, last year, when Nancy Pelosi was asked about a riot that led to the destruction of a statue of Christopher Columbus in Baltimore, her response was not to condemn it. It was, quote, people will do what people will do, close quote. Now, before we just think, okay, peaceful protesters took down a statue, here's the story from the Baltimore Sun. 
quote, as the Baltimore Police Department was responding to several life and death incidents across the city, a small number of officers were assigned to assist with peaceful protests taking place in the downtown area. As the number of protesters grew, it was tactically unsafe for those few officers to position themselves between the protesters and the Christopher Columbus statue in attempt to prevent vandalism and destruction. Close quote. Let me repeat, it became unsafe for the officers to protect state property. When rioters were attacking a federal courthouse in Oregon last year with firebombs and Molotov cocktails, and the Attorney General dispatched federal troops to protect the federal courthouse, where people go to secure and ensure their civil rights, federal courthouse, Nancy Pelosi called those federal officers stormtroopers, which is to compare our United States law enforcement, federal law enforcement, to Nazis. I await to find one story of one Democrat denouncing any of this, any of the foregoing, which is, by any definition we have been instructed on over the past week, insurrection. I can detail for you denunciation after denunciation after denunciation of last week's rioters by conservative activists, writers, bloggers, congressmen, senators, radio hosts, you name it. My Twitter feed was full of it exactly one week ago, and rightly so. I rewrote my monologue at the last minute to denounce the riots as well. Meanwhile, I also await to find one quote from Donald Trump's speech last week that can in any way, shape, or form be considered a direct incitement to violence. Certainly nothing like what we heard from Democrats, and if claims of an election being illegitimate are the new clang words for violence, it started a long time ago, and from Democrats. What does one say about a movement proudly declaring itself Marxist that led to protests, yes, but riots also, leading to over 30 American deaths and 14,000 arrests and billions of dollars of damage? Marxist. Violence. Is that not insurrectionist? Well, when Tom Cotton wrote it was at the New York Times, editors apologized and then had to resign from the New York Times for the lay's majesty of having the audacity to even let that editorial run. We've got two problems here, folks. We need to understand there is a wholesale problem and a retail problem. The retail problem is what Democrats have said and done, and done, I emphasize, is much worse than what is attributed to our side. Again, all our leaders denounced what those who want to affiliate with us have done. It's much worse. The wholesale problem is that it's the ideology that matters, evidently, and not the action. Riots and invocations of death and homicidal fantasy are just fine if it comes from the left. In fact, encouraged, evidently, or apologized for, people will do what people will do. Who says protests have to be peaceful, to quote Cuomo of CNN? The second problem, and I've been warning about this for years, as have a few others, too many on the left confuse speech for action especially violence, and violence and action with speech. They defend their actions, violent or peaceful, as speech. 
They attack our speech, almost always peaceful, almost always as violence. So now there is clearly an effort to tar and feather every Republican, ride us out of town on a rail, criminalize our speech. This is a violation of every form of political civil liberty I can think of or that history has warned about. Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson, in the midst of World War II, wrote beautifully and importantly, quote, Freedom to differ is not limited to things that do not matter much. That would be a mere shadow of freedom. The test of its substance is the right to differ as to things that touch the heart of the existing order. If there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official higher petty can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion, or force citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein. If there are any circumstances which permit an exception, they do not occur to us, close quote. As for blaming speakers, legitimate speakers, for the actions of the extreme, the unbalanced, you simply can't do that lest you are prepared to ban all speech, perhaps starting with Bernie Sanders. It's called the heckler's veto, and it has been the justification for keeping everyone from Ben Shapiro to Heather MacDonald away from our college students. Now I fear it's being used to keep conservative speech away from all our adults, too, lest some insane or unbalanced or asterisk to a movement, do something wrong. Again, Oliver Wendell Holmes warned about this long ago, even before Justice Jackson. He said, quote, Every idea is an incitement, and eloquence may set fire to reason, close quote. But let me put this clearly. We don't ban ideas, and we don't ban eloquence. This all having been said, let's read the room, the larger political movement we are in. That Democrats in the media are looking for a match to light a fire in Washington, D.C. next week and blame it on us. Don't give them a reason. Recall how angered we were about the not-my-president marches four years ago. Remember how angry we were at the refusal of congressmen, 70 of them, refusing to go to Donald Trump's inauguration. This included the current chair of the House Judiciary Committee leading the impeachment argument today for the Democrats' Jerry Nadler and the recently deceased and hero to so many, John Lewis. They refused to go. They claimed Donald Trump's election illegitimate. The same words they say his using are causes of insurrection. Let the Democrats have their party next week and let them be embarrassed for overreacting to perceived and projected violence. That's what they do again and again. It's not what we do, which is why the scorn and denunciation from our party and movement to last week's riots was so universal and seemingly so forgotten or irrelevant. We're at a flashpoint right now. Brought on by a long year of shutdowns and riots, our movement opposed largely. We opposed largely both the shutdowns and the riots, vociferously. They didn't. And yet we are blamed. We are blamed for endangering people's health, and we are blamed for stirring riotous behavior. It's the oddest projection I've ever seen, and it's odd how ubiquitous it is, absorbed and promulgated by the mainstream media. They are trying to make scapegoats of us for illness and violence. This is how tyrants take power. 
This is how dictators move a population through the use of the scapegoat. I plea we all understand this is what is going on right now. This is what is taking place. And who knew the left in this country and the media would be the movement and institution to so quickly eviscerate the First Amendment, the very amendment they wrap themselves in whenever the government in the past has tried to intrude on the rights they claim. Well, we are not untermenschen here or anywhere. And indeed, it seems to me, if civil societies to succeed and have a future, it is our perspective and not the Marxists and not the socialists and not the civil libertarians' opponents' view that must be replanted and take root. I'm Seth Leaps. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I want to tell you that if you have not seen Poor to CEO, The Incredible Journey of Herman Cain, it is so very much worthwhile. It's one of the more inspirational films that has come out over the past year. Poor to CEO, The Incredible Journey of Herman Cain. It really is incredible. It's a great American story. Um, this is the place where dreams can and still do come true, and Herman's life is proof of that. It's available at SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com, where you can see the story of this man who grew up from nothing to the CEO of a major corporation, ran for president, successful radio host, great human being with just uh, a wonderful, wonderful attitude of gratitude in everything he did, hard work, personal responsibility, poor to CEO, available now. At SalemNow.com. Use promo code PHOENIX. Make sure to use promo code PHOENIX to save 20%. John is in Peoria. Hello, John. John, are you there? John. John. Where are you, John? Hello, sir. There you are. How are you doing, man? Yeah. Okay, sir. How are you? Good. I had the thing. Uh, my phone on mute there for a second. I apologize. Not a problem. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. Yeah, we have to hang in there now. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you're, we really do. Hang together and or hang separately, thing. Ben Franklin said. Yes, and so poignant every word all the time that comes out of your mouth. Oh, thanks. Uh, um, God bless you for it. Thank and you. especially, uh, it's an education every time to listen to you. Well, thank you. Uh, but... Um, I'm a little bit somber today because it is a little somber day. Here's the deal, Seth. Um, I called up and I told uh, your producer one specific. uh, There's so much. I wish I could talk to you forever, but I don't want to steal. You're okay. I want to only steal a little bit of your time. You're doing Um, just fine. It's a talk radio show. We talk. Yes, sir. Uh, Here's the deal. Um, um, Again, we probably have to add it, and and I'm going to add it because I think we're going to be better. Uh, yes, uh, I deplore, and I think every Trump supporter deplores, a real Trump supporter deplores what took place in the Capitol, and lives were lost. But that's not every Trump supporter. There was thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that didn't invade the Capitol. Uh, uh, and... Uh, we shouldn't be ashamed of being Trump supporters, and I don't believe, I, I do believe that uh, I will never uh, disavow. It's almost, 
I, I don't want to put it in religious terms, but here's the thing. They're not going to make me disavow or uh, uh, make me um, re-educate me like they're talking about. You hear some of this craziness, re-educate. That's, that's communist and Marxist. I, I mean, you've probably heard it, haven't you? They want to re-educate us. Of course. Of course. Yeah, send us to re-educate. I mean, it's been literally said on the news. But I think even worse, and getting to what I called up mainly today, so much ugliness in the mainstream, and I've seen one of the most ugly things ever. I've seen CNN exploiting two of Paul Gosar's family members. Yeah, yeah. Being interviewed. I don't know if you saw that or I not. I did, I did. That this is, is like the third that time. That is one of the lowest yeah, and yeah, ugliest. Yeah. They, they have gone to, that, that's, if you take a family's dirty laundry. Yeah. And you try to mix it up. It's so terrible and bring it into the in, into the public sphere. Oh, I agree. I agree. There's something them. very queasy about it. I agree. It's a very low. It's. I, I can't believe even they feel good about it. Honestly, I mean, you really have to it's have sickening. no pang of conscience to think that's okay. It's sickening to bring a family's dirty laundry yeah, like that. It really is. I mean, if I was a family member, I'd be ashamed. I even would if too. I disagree. Which I do have family members that I disagree, but we still love each other, and we've kept it like that. We've had difficult times, but we've kept the uh, the love still there. And I imagine there's a lot of families like that. I imagine, and it can be done. Yeah, no, I I I thought it was low. Uh, I thought it's been low. Uh, The Democratic Party used them to run ads against him. I think it was in his last uh, reelection. It's it's I I can't believe people feel comfortable doing that. I just can't believe it. That's lower than low, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. It's lower than low. That's kind of the and way that- I feel about this second impeachment, though. In a way, I have to tell you, um, you say it's kind of a, it's kind of a down day, and you know, yes and no. It, you know, it's it's down in the sense that we don't have a better politics and that we don't have a better Democratic Party. Um, on the other hand, you know, given what the merits of the case are, and I suppose it's the feeling I would have if I knew someone um, that was um, in, you know, indicted on 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 a fraudulent claim. I suppose it's the same thing I feel about the election uh, being stolen because it was done by the Russians four years ago. Um, I'm mad that they're saying it, but I don't think there's any any credibility to it whatsoever. Uh, this this is I, I guess we need to find a different phraseology for it, but this is the most trumped up case of incitement or impeachment I I, I could imagine. Uh, it really is. Uh, you had an 89 day series of protests and riots from May to August of last year, and uh, one organization did the math here. They were referred to as mostly peaceful. Okay. Um, that is to say, however, that of them, 543 were violent. That is to say that that would be six violent events per day during those mostly peaceful demonstrations. Six riots a day during May to August of last year. And the media calls it mostly peaceful and certainly doesn't blame any of the Democrats for it. Um, so, you know, for them to now turn and find no inciting language, no invocations to violence here, 
The worst they can come up with is fight like hell, which Democrats themselves said today. It's a faulty it's a faulty charge. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Our culture and economy update It comes from, as it does daily, John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. Easy to remember. John, happy Wednesday to you, sir. Same to you, Seth. How's it going? Thanks. I'm doing just fine. Odd day in the news, and I don't know how much of an effect it's had on the markets. They looked like they kind of were fairly balanced today, yeah? Yeah, I mean, pretty much a wash of a day. Yeah, I think so, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, We had um, a couple of things here, too, though. I I saw Johnson & Johnson. Uh, Looks like their COVID-19 vaccine is uh, promising, and uh, so we may have another vaccine here on the the fight for COVID-19. So, um, Well, I wanted to ask you about that because it seems to me... More and more, I was reading in the Wall Street Journal today that uh, the closing uh, conditions of the economy for 2020, the closing 2020 of the economy, according to the Federal Reserve's Beige Book, said that it grew modestly, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit of a downgrade from what they were hoping it would be. They wanted to see a little bit better than modest, I suppose. But it looks like a lot of it is so tied to the pandemic right now. Um, Meanwhile, oddly enough... To the degree you can believe them, China is claiming that it had one of the greatest years for yeah. its economy right. in its history. Uh, so I, I, I guess I guess the vaccine, its rollout, its deployment, and its success is going to have a lot more to do with this economy than a lot of us may have expected. Well, I think also, Seth, you have to understand, and I know you do, but I mean, for the listeners out there, China is not necessarily giving us all the news. That's right? what I think. Yeah. So uh, we we have to be aware of that. How good is our economy doing? Maybe it's doing well, but the cases in China yeah. have been skyrocketing right. as well. Right. You don't hear much about that, uh, just as here. So this this virus is is here, and and I think it was uh, Moderna. Somebody from Moderna, mm-hmm. um, who has one of the vaccines, mm-hmm. said, hey, you know, coronavirus is going to be here for a while. This is not something that's going to be gone next year. I saw that, too. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is something we're going to be dealing with. And we're as a nation and as a world, we're going to have to figure out how to cope with this and yet still keep the economy moving forward. And I think that's what we're doing. And that's why the vaccines are important. I know a lot of people I talk to say they're not going to take it. Yeah. I just I'll put my hand up and say I'm going to do it. I see a lot of people, a lot of retired people, people who are at the higher risk. I don't want to infect them. I want to make sure if I had it that I, I wouldn't, um, you know, because if, if I was an asymptomatic carrier of it, I wouldn't want to, um, you know, pass it on to someone else. I'd feel awful about that. Sure. So I'm going to get the vaccine, and um, I'm not suggesting anybody else get it, but I, I don't think it's a bad thing. No, I th- and I think people, as we were saying, will become more comfortable with it as more of the, you know, front lies, the 1As, the 1Bs, the 2As, the 2Bs, so once they start taking it, assuming that it uh, all goes well and fine right, without too much of a side effect. Um, I, I, I think that's what will probably ease most people into it. I, You know, it, 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 it's a bit like maybe learning to live with the flu, I suppose. Sure. Uh, the vaccines for the flu aren't anywhere near as successful as what we're told the, the vaccines are for covid but right. you know um we do it a lot of people do it and uh and it, and it's and it's a better thing than not if it works it works but you know i, I i've been thinking about you know the the growth of the economy and it's going to have its own challenges covid mm-hmm. or not right 
given the tax policies we've talked sure. about, the regulatory mm-hmm. policies coming down the pike that we've talked about, they all make me pretty nervous. Arizona itself with Proposition 208 right. having an even tougher time. It just doesn't need one more saddle on its back. And uh, and I think, you know, we've been we've been fortunate that the, the shutdowns here have been the lighter touch, a lot much lighter touch than places like California, New York. Right. But I think we just have to keep that in mind when you look at our unemployment rates the states that had had lighter touches on shutdowns are doing much better than mm-hmm. the states that aren't. Mm-hmm. And Seth, of course, there is a, uh, um, a direct, you know, association to higher taxes and corporations yeah. uh, hiring. Sure. And we're in a situation where we need to be creating more jobs. Yeah, you bet. Raising taxes is not the answer to creating more jobs no. right now. No. So I th- I'm hoping that the Democrats are going to take a, a closer look at what potentially raising taxes would do. And I'm, I'm also hoping that this is, if they do raise taxes, it's not going to be in the first one or two years of the new administration. No, I, and then uh, I hope we get a Republican Congress, which prevents it in the right. next two, right? Right, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, wouldn't that be JD, good? that's the plan. Let's have some real All balance right, there, buddy. yes. All right, if someone wants to get a hold of me, they can go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services off to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Henry Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you so much, You Seth. do it so well, John. Oh, you do it. Everything you. so well. Nobody does it better, as oh. they said of James Bond. Oh. Who said that? Was that Carly Simon? Carly Nobody Simon, does it better. Think, yes. All right, J.D., All right. we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm Seth. Tim's in Phoenix. Hello, Tim. Hey, Seth. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, sir. How are you? Good. Hey, Seth, a couple points. Uh, first off, has there been a single Republican who has stood up in the House and said, show me the one sentence in Trump's speech that told people to beat up cops and, and smash down doors? And then if you can... I'll vote for impeachment. Has anybody stood up like that and said that? I don't know if they said it in exactly those ways. I think a few of them came pretty close to something around that, or at least had made the point as not a question, but a but a but a but a declaratory sentence. But but it is a question I have. I mean, it's a question that I would like to ask uh, members. You know, why why on television? Or radio, have we not seen or heard a statement quoted from the president's speech that um, they claim is his inciting of um, violence? They bring two pieces of evidence. One is fight like hell, and one mm-hmm. is that his general position on um, on disagreeing with the uh, election's legitimacy, both of which the Democrats have done for years, said and done for years. <laughs> You're exactly right, Seth. Hey, the two things that Trump is guilty of, and neither one of these are impeachable. Number one, he should have disavowed the crazy QAnon faction of his followers, the folks that come dressed up in combat gear to his rallies. He should have disavowed them months ago. Secondly, his very weak and tepid response the night of the riot. Um, I, I was so pissed off at him. He should have been down in the Capitol with a bullhorn, uh, just condemning all these people that did this, and, and he didn't. And I was very disappointed in, in him that evening. But, uh, again, neither one of them is impeachable, obviously. He did three statements last week, and each one subsequently stronger, as I recall it. 
I don't, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I don't. But, I, but I, the it, night it happened, the night it happened, I was so mad. He should be down here with a bullhorn. I said it to my wife, and and I, I just, I was just so disappointed in him. I, I thought it was his weakest moment as president so far. Um, just, just very disappointed in him that evening for not being down there, for not getting ballistic, going ballistic on these people as he should have. Yeah, I mean, I think in looking back, there's a lot of things Donald Trump might have said differently or could have said differently that would have um, would have put him in a lot better stead going forward, even into November. Um, I think, you know, I think he was absolutely right in his position on issues with regard to race. But I think he could have sounded more sympathetic to those issues as, you know, as the temperature of the country um, probably required. Um, Mm -hmm. I also think um, on COVID, some of the messaging was inconsistent. And I don't know that he kept around the best advisors early on or even as things went on. Uh, I think there was some mixed messaging on that, and that, too, misread what the country needed in the case of a pandemic. As for the riots themselves, they were already underway by the time uh, by the time he he issued his first statement, which was about five minutes after Congress was breached. Now, I, I think the first statement would have been much better had it just been a denunciation of the riots without the claims also about the yeah. elections, uh, ir- yeah. irregularities. I don't recall, and I'll look them up, I don't recall having any real problem with his second two statements. But, um, mm-hmm. but the, the larger point is this. Uh, none of what he said should have resulted in blaming him for the actions of people who are not spokesmen for his campaign or the party and probably haven't ever been or even donors to. Uh, I mean, this 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 one guy, (laughs) I mean, the one guy who got most of the media attention is, you know, you you look at some of the other things he's been protesting about throughout his uh, throughout the most recent history. Uh, look, these were people who were by and large supporters of Trump. He could have done more sure to disavow them, but he is not responsible any more than Bernie Sanders is responsible. I don't think directly right. responsible for the violence of someone he didn't know who uh, who who attacked uh, Steve Scalise and Republicans at the Capitol baseball game. Yes, I, I remember him being asked about QAnon months ago, and it, it doesn't take very much homework to figure out what they're all about and what kind of people they are. They're just conspiracy theory nut jobs. And uh, I, I just wish he would have yeah, sure, himself sure. from them. Sure. And that may have quelled some of these. <laughs> it know, it, it, it may so it may have. It may have. I, I, I don't know. I mean look at what we have today. Yeah. Um I don't know if we we've done this several times, so Bill I won't ask you to pull it again. But we we have played uh, at least 18 times where Donald Trump denounces white supremacy, okay? At least 18 times. And yet today on the House floor, yet today on the House floor, you have people, Democrats, uh, blaming Donald Trump for these white supremacists who they claim, you know, were part of the riots. I don't think race had anything to do with these riots, to be honest with you, of a week ago. I never heard anything racial. If they did... 
one way or the other. It doesn't matter to me. But the point is there was nothing Donald Trump could have said that would have stopped, I don't think, Democrats uh, for blaming him for the excesses of weird extremists. I just I just don't. Um, and 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 I think after the fact, you know, it's um, it's it's an it's it's an interesting point about rhetoric. I think before the election is when I would have preferred to have seen some of his language tailored more more closely to the mood of the American people when it came to to issues of race and uh, and covid. We always said, uh, Seth, you get the good and the bad with Trump and, you know, for all of us, the good outweighs the bad. But, well, I'll you know, tell you, media- I'll tell you what, it's going to be hard. I mean, he is obviously going out of office uh, more tainted than any president I can think of in recent memory. Um, and what it is our duty as Republicans, it seems to me, to be and to do is to use uh, – well, remember remember someone's leadership for their best, not their last – First of all, the best things they did, not the last things they did, if those things are indeed good and worthy of going forward on. And I think there was a lot of good and worthy of going forward on. You think about what uh, the response to COVID and COVID did to our economy. You think about how much worse it would have been in a softer economy. If our economy wasn't doing the gangbusters he had brought it to, you think about how much more devastation this country would be going through. And I think we need to think about what those economic conditions were before March. And how we got them, and I think we need to. I'll say it: fight like hell to uh, to have the economic policies that uh, put this country in such great shape before, obviously, the pandemic and its response and the response to it ruined so much. Be right back. And we do. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Speaking of country, Keith is in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Keith. Hey, how are you doing, Seth? I'm doing fine, sir. How are you? I'm doing okay. I just want to say this is a sad day in our country's history for the to go through this sham impeachment trial number two on this president. And I would like to say that it's really just driven by hatred and this is very divisive, and, and I don't think the Democrats care. In fact, they they want this out there because they are showing that they want they do not want any unity. In fact, they do want to incite more anger with the people on the conservative side so they can clamp down on us more and come after our rights. I, I really do believe that. I think they want to, they hope that there's going to be some kind of outbreak, or they're going to keep provoking. So, so they can really use the police state to, to grow. Um, I'm close to where you are. I think it, it, I, I think I would I would say it this way, at least temporarily. My thought is I think what they're trying to do, you said, incite more anger. I think what they're trying to do is um, and maybe this is the same point you're trying to make, but I think it's they're trying to incite more animus against Republicans in the entirety of the culture. Uh, that is to say, I think they're trying to make it uh, so that all Republicans are seen as beyond the pale, uh, that all Republicans who believe or anyone for that matter who believes that uh, that uh, that Donald Trump was uh, a by and large good president or that the Republican Party is a by and large good party 
are to be condemned. That's what I think they're trying to do. They're, you're, you're seeing corporations fall in line. You're obviously seeing big tech and social media fall in line, which I guess are corporations too. I, th- I think they're trying their, – their vision of unity or their version of unity is, is a one-party state basically. You're either a Democrat or you're nothing. I agree, and that that's a scary thing too. Yes, um, it is. Where they're using businesses to have influence on society like that, where they could actually prevent you from getting on a a plane and travel and so forth. I mean, th- this is where people need to understand. When I'm not calling the Democrats Nazis, don't get me wrong, I'm not calling them that. But when people saw that stuff going on in Nazi Germany, when when it carried on, and the people say, "Well, when are people going to stand up against this?" They were too intimidated to do so, and that's what they want to do is intimidate society to go in the direction that they want. Um, This was the topic of a Dennis Prager column about a week ago. Let me see if I can pull it up and get into it a bit more, Keith. Thank you. Uh, We have Mark Bauerlein coming up. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We will get to you.